0: Hello and welcome to podcast by Brodies. My name's David Lee and in this series we take an in-depth look at some common and not so common questions and scenarios Brodies lawyers have been faced with over the years. In this first series we're joined by Advocacy by Brodies, the team of solicitor advocates within the firm who work at the front line of the law across many disciplines, from land to litigation and from public law to parliamentary affairs. In each episode, we'll talk to experts from Advocacy by Brodies to hear about their insights and experiences, which allow them to take the right approach when they're asked the deceptively simple question, what do I do if? In this episode, we hear from Laura McMillan, Partner and Director of Advocacy, and David Ford, Associate and Solicitor Advocate. They will address the important question, what do I do if... Someone else has the evidence I need. Welcome, David and Laura. And we'll start with the basics. David, a very simple, or is it, question first. What is evidence?
1: Uh, Thanks, David. Yes, no, that's a a relatively easy question uh, to start with. And there are broadly three categories uh, of evidence that are recognised in Scotland. And the first of those is is real evidence. So that's something that's tangible and, and physical Uh, There's documentary evidence, so that's any written material. That will include discs, tapes, films or photographs, for example. Uh, And there's also oral evidence, so that will be the the testimony of a witness.
0: Okay, and how does evidence collection uh, work, David, for a legal proof or trial?
1: So focusing today on
0: on civil cases such as, as
1: claims based on a breach of contract or for actions for personal injury, Uh, Evidence collection is something that's vitally important. Uh, The proper collection and presentation of the evidence at a trial is often crucial to to whether or not you're going to succeed. Uh, The contrast between a, a party that's well prepared, who's carefully gathered its evidence at the earliest stage of the case, is stark when compared to a party whose evidence has been thrown together in a haphazard or hurried manner at the last minute. so so many cases will be, be won or lost long before the date of the actual trial, depending on the degree of care and diligence with which the preparations have been undertaken. So evidence collection is something that should be considered from the outset of any litigation. Indeed, you should be in gathering evidence well before any action has even been raised. And clients are understandably always very interested in the recovery of evidence, especially documents, and are often looking for the smoking gun that might win their case.
0: Okay, so let's talk a bit more about that timescale that you touched on there, David. When is evidence for a trial produced?
1: Um, So so evidence is going to be produced at various stages, uh, according to the rules of whichever court um, you're in. Uh, Some documents have to be produced when the claim or when the defence to the claim is initially lodged. That's usually the documents that are founded upon. And by that, I mean documents that form the basis of the claim. So a good example of that would be a a written contract on which a claim for payment is being made. Documents also have to be disclosed by set deadlines as the case proceeds in advance of the trial if the party
0: wants to rely on them when the case eventually calls before the judge um, for that trial. OK, and and what about who's responsible, David? Who who does all this uh, spade work of getting the evidence together? Um, It's the responsibility
1: of the party uh, and their legal advisers to gather all the evidence that they think they need to succeed with the case. It's not something the court is going to do for you. Uh, Whilst our continental cousins typically adopt uh, what's known as an inquisitorial approach to litigation in which the court will play a greater role in ensuring that the relevant materials are before the court, in Scotland our system is adversarial. Uh, This means that each party has to put forward the best case they can to support their claim or defense within the confines of the court's rules. The judge's job will then be to decide which party is going to succeed based on the information before them and the relevant burden of proof, which is often borne by the party bringing the case. So for lawyers, the preservation and recovery of documentary evidence is a primary consideration. Uh, Writings that are contemporaneous with the events in issue are often of the highest evidential value and should be obtained scrutinized and preserved at the earliest opportunity as should any real evidence um, that relates to the facts that are in dispute and that's all part of the best evidence rule is that you want the strongest possible evidence to support your case and generally that means having it available and preserved just as soon as possible.
0: Okay thanks very much David really good scene setting there so just over to you Laura what if your case is struggling to get off the ground and you you just can't get your hands on the evidence you need. Someone else has it. What do you do?
2: Yeah, so the the courts themselves, they don't have an inherent power to allow evidence to be recovered before a court action has commenced. But Parliament has solved that issue um, by enacting a, a piece of legislation called the Administration of Justice Scotland Act 1972 And that Act provides a a very useful tool which allows a party to ask the court to grant an order to recover documents or information or property before an action has commenced. And the rationale behind that is to ensure that as much of the relevant information as possible is available to the party who wants to bring the the action at an early stage to allow them to, to ascertain if they do have a basis for a claim and then hopefully to expedite settlement or, if necessary, to to have the evidence ready to go on to trial. So this Act can also be used to recover evidence after an action has been raised. But as I think we will come on to, it's not used that often. And to be honest, it tends to be used only for pre-action recovery because there's an alternative procedure available for post-action recovery. To recover evidence before an action has commenced, that you've got to satisfy the court that you've got a prima facie case. So means that you need to be able to set out on behalf of your client um, an intelligible case against a defender which is at the very least stateable. And you've also got to satisfy the court that it's likely that if you are once you are in that position that you're going to bring proceedings, if if the parties are daggers drawn, that requirement shouldn't cause too much difficulties, but it can be more finely balanced, it can be more of a an issue if the other side aren't actually aware of the potential for the issue, and the court will expect to be told that there is an intention of making the claim and that there's a reasonable basis for, for making it. And finally, the court will want to know why the evidence that you're seeking will assist in bringing the claim. You know, it can't just be used as a as a mechanism to put pressure on the other side, it has to be relevant to the case that you want to to bring. And if the order is granted, then the evidence can be recovered um, and then that will allow the the court action, the substantive court action, to go ahead.
0: Okay, so that's that's beforehand, uh, Laura. What about once the case is up and running, uh, if you need documents or, or other evidence from your opponent or someone else, what's the procedure then?
2: Well, I suppose the most simple step that you can take um, is to ask. So there's nothing to stop you asking the other side or another party for evidence at any stage um, once court action is raised. And it's possible that they'll accept, whoever it is that's got this evidence, will accept that they need to disclose it and and they'll do so voluntarily. And that avoids unnecessary expense um, you know, your opponent might just say, yes, I know that you, if you go through the formal procedure, I'll need to give you this evidence, so I'm just going to give it to you just now. And the same can be said of third parties who are not in the action. So sometimes a letter might be enough, or you can provide a mandate from your client if the evidence relates specifically to them. And we see that most commonly things like, you know, you're, you're recovering personal information or earnings details or, or medical rec- uh, records. And actually, tactically, Although it seems very simplistic, that route might be preferable because if you have to go down a formal route of recovering evidence, you are obliged to disclose that evidence to the other side. So if you're if you're recovering documentation, say, and you um you you get it via the formal route, then there might be something in there that's not helpful to your case. You don't know before you've got it. And if you've done it you know, around the formal route, then you're obliged to disclose it to the other side. Um, and so that you know, that is not necessarily something that you want to do. So you might want to try this, this route of asking um, beforehand. But if you don't get that co- cooperation or you have concerns about whether all the documentation um, or evidence is being disclosed voluntarily or if you're in a situation where the third party can't actually release information without a court order because of say confidentiality or data protection constraints. And we see that for example if we're looking to try to recover evidence from the Crown um, or the police if there's been a you know a criminal case. And in that case, and once the case is up and running, parties can also then rely on the court's inherent power because it does have an inherent power after a case has been litigated to order the recovery of documents. And there are rules that govern that process, both in the sheriff court and the court session, which is our high civil court, and they're practically identical. Um, And the the first step of the process is to draw up a list um, of the items that you want to recover. When it involves documents, Um, which is most commonly the the case, this is known as a a specification of documents. If it's for property, it's a specification of property. And if it's, for example, you're looking for identification of a witness, then it's a specification of matters. And that that list will call for specific items or more commonly categories of of items, such as all documents showing or tending to show something like um, the payments made by the defender to the pursuer over the course of a, a certain period.
0: Okay, so we're going down this this formal route. So what happens next? How does the process proceed after that?
2: So trying not to get too too techy um, with this, but you know, to give us a sort of useful overview, once you've drafted the list of evidence, then you might try to agree that list with the other side. Um, there can sometimes be negotiation and adjustment of that, that list. Um, but sometimes final agreement can can prove elusive and you might just need to to bash on um, in the knowledge that the other side might oppose your request to the court for um, all the items on that list and for obvious reasons parties and you know the other side might not want you to have sight of the documents or evidence that you are you're seeking and because they know it contains the, the smoking gun that you're you're looking for, so they might try a tactics to, to resist that um evidence being recovered. So if you're at a contested hearing, then um the judge will consider the, the specification, consider your list, and will either grant it, refuse it, or might grant part of it, not all of it. And um, they might restrict what you can what you can recover, and then once you've got your order, that allows you to go and recover your evidence and that that process that we're, we're sort of focused on there is a process in scotland there's a there's a slightly different process to recover evidence out with scotland and that's a bit more tricky. and um, and probably with the scope of today's um podcast but it involves um making a request to the court of the jurisdiction where you're seeking to recover that evidence and I have to say that personally, I've never found that procedure, I don't know about David, but I've never found that procedure particularly smooth.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, the, the path of law never runs smoothly. So let's say the court makes an order. Um, again, what happens after that, Laura? You know, how do you actually get your hands on and recover the documents?
2: Yeah, if we're, so if we're just dealing with the um, recovery in Scotland, um, which does, to be fair, generally run quite smoothly, Um you've got your order there's two ways that you can enforce that so there's something called the optional procedure voluntary procedure and you need to ask the court if that's what you want to do if you want to try that first they need to ask the court to make that part of the order and that then involves sending the order from the court together with a copy of the, the specification listing all the evidence that you want to any party that you think has evidence that falls within it and in this context, that party is known as a haver um, because they have the, the evidence, or at least you hope they do. And that the haver then hopefully produces the evidence together with a certificate confirming that they have complied with the court order. And that's where, you know, when I was talking earlier about asking for documents to be, or evidence to be produced voluntarily, and you might then have someone who will give you what they want to give you. But once you're into a court, um, request for the the evidence then they're having to sign a certificate that says I have given you everything um, that falls within this, this court order um, which you know, obviously adds that layer of formality and hopefully means that people will give you everything and the usual time for a uh, period for compliance with that's actually pretty short it's seven days so but if there's a, a lot of evidence that needs to be Recovered, or if it's you know historic evidence that will need to be searched for, then you can you can negotiate a longer period for a re- response. So as I said, that that we're still under optional procedure there, so the Haver could could if they wanted just ignore your request, um, and but if they do, then you'll then begin down the formal procedure of fixing a commission, um, which um, we can come on to as well, and. Um it's also worth remembering when you serve this on a party, if it's if it's the have or hasn't been involved in the court action at all and you're only giving them seven days, it can be quite a difficult uh, thing for them to comply with, not just because if there's a lot of information or it's historic or you know it's off site, whatever. It might be the first time that they're aware of the action at all. So getting their head around um, you know, what it is that you're asking for can take a bit of time and getting it to the to the right person as well. I think it's also worth pointing out because I think sometimes gets gets forgotten about is that um, you the, the, the party who is the haver can actually charge a search fee. So if you're asking them for reams and reams of information, um, electronically or, or, or paper or whatever it is, then that might take a long time administratively to, to create so they can say, well, I'll give you this information, but I'm going to charge you for it. And actually that can run, in the bigger cases, that can run to... Thousands of pounds. So you always need to be aware um, as a party that you might be faced with that that additional cost going down this route, and that a cost that might not always be recoverable from the other side.
0: And what if the have a havers? Um, to use the same collection of letters and to to quote to quote the proclaimers, uh, and uh, in in the context of the song, it means to be indecisive or to hem and whore and to delay things. So, if the have a havers or refuses to comply, what do you do then?
2: So, well, if, if the, the have a havers, then um, it, what you can do then is is what I kind of alluded to a moment ago, which is you can go down the formal procedure of fixing a commission, and that you would fix a commission um, in a number of circumstances. One, if you've been down the optional procedure and the haver hasn't complied, or if you think that they've not produced everything that they have, or if actually you just don't have the time to go down the the optional procedure first. You know, if you're up against it um, because of, you know, the court timetable, then you might just automatically go to, to fixing a commission. But that's an additional expense. or so something to, to think about um, The purpose of the the commission is to secure the handing over of the the relevant evidence or to try to ascertain what's happened to that evidence if the the haver says I no longer have it. And it involves appointing an experienced lawyer as the commissioner and that commissioner will then fix a commission um, at which anyone potentially having evidence is is cited to attain so they have to to attend um, that uh, commission. And that might be in a courtroom or a lawyer's office or it might be at the harbour's premises and they'll be asked um, what evidence they've got and asked to to hand it over. And then after the commission, the commissioner prepares a report for the court with the evidence recovered and they'll identify what evidence they think falls within the specification because that can sometimes be a little bit um, unclear for a party um, what it is that they actually need to to recover or need to produce or not.
0: And... What's the obligation, Laura? What's the obligation on somebody to hand over documents that are required for a court case and, and what happens if they don't?
2: Well, the court order um, for recovery of documents is like any other court order. It must be complied with. And so failure to to comply with it potentially risks a contempt of court finding. So very worst case scenario, be unlikely, is that the person who's defied the court order could face a custodial um sentence more likely that it will be a fine um and you know if it's a company it's more likely that it would be a fine i've never personally had um to go down that down that route um but if there were repeatedly unjustified refusals to produce evidence then we could be looking at um imprisonment
0: and have you ever come across that happening has that ever happened
2: i haven't no
0: so that's really that's really extreme cases
2: yeah, yeah. It is. I mean, I've, I've been doing this um, for 20 plus years, so I've not come across it um, yet.
0: OK. And when it comes to evidence, David, back to you, give Laura a rest. She's been speaking for a long time there. What what can't you recover?
1: And focusing uh, largely on documents, David, um, you cannot recover any documents um, if you're seeking them merely because you hope you might have a case, um, so the search for documents from your opponent or any third party has to be targeted, and it's rare that you have a, a specification of documents in which the word "fishing" uh, is not used. Um, uh, so this is a fishing diligence, uh, and as one judge said, um, such an exercise by its nature implies that a troll will be launched and then the catch inspected in the hope of finding something which might turn out to be useful. So that is not allowed, you have to be very focused and very specific about the documents you want and why they're important for your case. Um, There are also certain categories of document that cannot be recovered. Um, Documents which are prepared by a party in contemplation of litigation cannot be recovered and neither can uh, confidential communications between a lawyer and their client. Those are privileged documents You can't make the defender disclose all of the documents they've been exchanging with the lawyer as part of the case. Uh, The Crown also has the right to assert public interest immunity over documents when it considers it to be in the national interest to do so. Uh, And a good example of that where the Crown usually does um, assert its uh, public interest immunity is in respect of tax returns. Any party can also themselves Uh, claim that a document somebody is seeking um, which falls within the list of documents they have to disclose is confidential. And there's a process that's followed when that happens. That The haver puts the document into a sealed envelope and sends that to the court and the party then wanting to see that document has to make an application to the judge to have the, the confidential envelope opened up And the judge can then become involved at that stage to determine if the document is, in fact, confidential. Although it is notable that confidentiality often does not succeed as a ground for refusing to disclose. If the document is relevant and necessary for the purpose of determining the dispute,
0: the judge is very
1: likely to let you have it
0: and um, any exceptions david um, if a case sort of rests or falls on this evidence are there any exceptions that you you know you you can get hold of something you normally wouldn't be able to
1: yeah no if one of the exceptions apply uh, that I've, I've just covered it doesn't matter how useful the document is going to be to your case you're not going to be able to recover it and uh, the only exception to that is as uh, if the person holding the document if the have a decides to waive their privilege which they might do they might be capable of being persuaded of that but you cannot compel them to do so and it's their absolute right um, to decide what they do with their privilege.
0: Okay and and Laura let's let's get into a situation where a case is close to a conclusion but new crucial evidence comes to light can a case be delayed if the evidence has been withheld and and it is crucial to taking the case forward?
2: In theory, yes. I mean, we said at the, the start it's for each party to prepare their own case and the court sets a deadline for the last date that parties have to lodge evidence that they intend to rely on at the, the proof or trial. Um, and if the, the late production of, of further evidence is cause of a party's own inaction, i.e. They, you know, if they'd done something sooner, they could have had that evidence um with the court and with the other party, then it's possible that the judge will refuse for that evidence to be allowed um, at that late stage. If the evidence is truly critical to the case, then a judge might be persuaded that it should be allowed in. But they'll also balance the prejudice to the other party or parties in the action in allowing the evidence at that late stage. So the later you get, the less likely it is that the court will will say, yes, um, this evidence can be allowed in. What can happen sometimes is if the court say, OK, um, this has come late in the day, the other party or parties really needs to be time to consider it, then what can happen is that the, the proof for trial will be discharged and a you know, later date will be fixed. The court will consider that's an in interest of justice. But if... The, the party who's produced that evidence late is to blame for its lateness, then you can expect that you'll be found liable for the expenses of the, the discharge, which, um, again, could be quite hefty um, if you're you know at the door of court. But if you have prepared properly, then the circumstances in which you would be here asking the court um, to allow um, evidence to be allowed late should be few and far between.
0: Okay, so just to sum up, Laura, why is it so important uh, for a a client of yours to get all the necessary evidence before the court? And why is it important to have a strong legal team behind you doing this?
2: Well, I mean, there's two fundamentals in terms of succeeding in a litigation. One of them is you need to have a legal basis for that case. And the other is that you need to have the evidence to prove it. Um, So if you don't have the necessary evidence to... Um, succeed to persuade the judge that your position is correct then you're not going to succeed Um, and you know you're prejudicing your chances of success if you don't have all of the evidence to back up whatever it is um, that you are are saying Um, and so the the process of recovering evidence should be something that you're thinking about from day one um, and you keep thinking about it up until the the date of
0: the trial. The okay, thank you very much indeed, Laura. And thank you very much indeed to David for sharing some great insights there uh, in this latest episode of the What Do I Do If? series. Uh, this series is brought to you by podcast by Brodies, uh, where some of the country's leading lawyers and guests share their enlightened thinking about the big issues and developments that are having an impact on the legal sector and what that means in turn for organisations, businesses and individuals across the UK economy and society. If you'd like to hear more, please subscribe to Podcast by Brodies on all your main podcast platforms. And for more information and insights, please visit www.brodies.com.